we're going to go ahead and it's a special service, right? And, and I know, like I said, it, depending on, on, on your outlook of a father or a dad, uh, it could look real different for each person, right? But I believe that being a Christian father is one of the highest callings any man can ever achieve in his life, right? Any man can ever achieve in his life. I want you to take the notes. We're pausing from our Trust Issues series. We're going to continue next week, but just a little bit. It kind of goes in line with what I'm going to talk about today. But I want you to write the title of my message today called Hold Nothing Back. Hold Nothing Back. Hold nothing back. Let's pray once again as we prepare. So, Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us safely. We thank you already for speaking to us through our worship session, Father, and our worship time together. We thank you for what's already happened this morning in our Spanish service. Lord, leading into this moment, Lord, we ask you that you touch your people, touch hearts, Lord, touch minds, Lord, that it be you speaking today, and it ultimately glorifies your name, expands your kingdom, Lord Jesus, and makes you known more, Father. We ask this in in Jesus' name, and we all say together, amen, amen, amen. I also want to welcome those that may be live streaming live on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you for tuning in, and so we're so grateful that you'll be able to receive right wherever you may be. Now, I, one thing that I said is, is one of the highest achievements uh, uh, for a, a Christian man could be that he's operating in his calling, right? That he is actually moving in what God's asked him to do. And, and I truly believe that with my heart because I, I have to live it every single day. But it can also be uh, uh, the toughest being a Christian father in the world that we live today. Uh, this morning specifically, I was looking at, at old pictures uh, just to get sentimental. But I, I wanted to look at old pictures of when my daughter was born, from when my, my first son was born, and then when my last, my, my third child, my third surprise was born, amen? And, and I looked at every single, and it was so funny, every single hospital picture looks pretty much the same. I have a picture with my daughter where I'm holding her like this, and I'm the first time she made me a dad for the first time, and, and I'm holding her, and I'm and she's so small in my hands, and I have a moment when I'm, I'm kind of doing her head to head, and, and the, the pictures don't look like the way they do today. It's real grainy, very blurry. The pixels are just not where they need to be. I'm sorry, Raquel, if we go back to your pictures, they look pretty bad. But when you go to my second son, Jelani, or my first son, we would say my second child, Jelani, I remember taking the pictures and still we weren't there yet. We didn't get the good iPhone just yet. We were just there with the little pixel flip camera going, yes, I'm a father for the second time. And then it wasn't until Jovan's born that we have 4K. You know what I'm saying? Like, the perfect ultra high definition photos, photo backdrops. I mean, it is phenomenal. We even thought about when he was born, we had the little things where it says, born Jovan Andres Lopez, born eight pounds, this and that, this 22 inches, all, all that real nice. We didn't do that for the first two kids, but the third one, because that's the culture we live in today. We had to do it, right? We had to do it for the gram. And so I, I remember just having those moments and, and something that happens the moment that you hold your child for the first time, at least for me, is, is, is there's a great responsibility that comes with it where naturally I started thinking to myself like, oh my God, no longer it's just Marie and I, it's them too, you know? And, and now I've, I've turned into what a lot of us would say protector, right? And so I've, I've found myself in different situations of my life in each one of my kids where I've had to feel like I'm becoming a protector because I have to step in. I remember my daughter when she was playing t-ball, God bless her soul, she was phenomenal. You were, Raquel, you were. And she went on like three years to softball and she was tough, right? Y'all see her a little shy, but she was good until one day I saw her running 
And she was running like this. She was like, and I was like, she's done. She doesn't want this anymore. Before she was like, slide this and that. Then all of a sudden it changed. She was like, I don't want to do this no more. You know, she was like, mommy, my purse. And I was like, no, you know. I was my firstborn. I wanted to be a softball superstar. You know what I'm saying? Just naturally in me. And so, and I remember, but that was a moment that when she was there, you know, so, so graceful, so sweet as she is. And, and for those who don't know, my daughter's name is Raquel. That's little lamb. And that's how she is. She has such a sweet soul. And the thing is, is she's sitting there and she's like, there's a moment where this boy was kind of being a little rough with her. You won't remember Raquel. You were four, but she was being rough with her. And, and, and he kind of like pushed her to the ground. And I wanted to climb over and spank that young man, right? He was a young child. I said, young man, but that's what I was, you know, and I remember just that feeling. And I remember for my son, Jelani, he gets into soccer, competitive soccer. He's out there running, doing his thing. And now he's in an age where now boys talk back and they say interesting words to each other in the heat of competition that today I would get slapped if I would say it in front of my parents. But they're just doing it. They're seven, eight years old at this time. And I remember they're going back and forth. And I remember Jelani having a moment. The boy was bigger, pushed him to the ground. I want to run out there. And show them, I don't know if any fathers have been in the room or even mothers have felt that, right? Wake up a mama bear. Have y'all seen one of those before, right? And then even with Jovan, nah, he's good. He can protect himself. (laughs) But the thing is, is Father's Day means different things to different people. And it's a remembrance. It's a reminder. It's a joy or it could be a pain. But with all, it depends on who daddy was in their life. If you were to ask what does Father's Day mean to you, to any man who did not grow up with a father, part of his perspective on life will be centered on making sure that he does not turn out like his own dad. That's why I love when God reminds us in Psalms 27.10 that though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And then it says in Psalm 68 verse 5 through 6 that he is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. And I love this first part of verse 6. It says, God sets the lonely in families. So regardless of your state, regardless of who was dad, who was not dad, regardless of what may have happened in your life or what you desire to happen in your life, our Father in heaven says that he places the lonely in families, that he is the father to the fatherless. Come on, can we get an amen and a praise God to that? There's a story that I read once, and actually my dad was the one who shared the story with me, but uh, it, it was, it's a story of In Search of Paco. Maybe you've heard it before, but there's a Spanish story of a father and a, and a son who had become estranged, and the son who ran off, hold on, it, it went away, the son who ran away, and the father set off to find him. He searched, the father searched for months to nothing, was unable to find his son. And finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, the father showed up to the location. He said there was 800 Pacos that showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. See, whether or not we had an earthly father that was seeking us 
and seeking our spiritual well-being, we have a heavenly Father who has loved us. I want to speak to you about a man, a father who is very often overlooked, and he is often overshadowed by the prominence, prominence given to his wife. I'm talking about Joseph. He was the husband of Mary and the adopted father of Jesus. And even as God chose Mary to be the one who would give birth to the Son of God, so in his mighty providence he chose father, he chose Joseph to be a father to Jesus and to raise him into manhood. Mary and Joseph were chosen together to be parents. See, God searched the earth and he found a young girl, a teenager engaged to be married, of whom the Bible says found favor with God. She was a choice young lady, a God-fearing young lady. But note, I want you to listen, God also went looking for a father. He called Mary and Joseph as a couple. And here is the point. God was demonstrating for us that the role of the father is a very important one. It's very important. See, fathers are not only needed for the physical act of conceiving a child, they're also needed for the spiritual act of raising a child. And this child, Jesus, was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Ghost. A miracle took place, so technically there was no need for a man to be involved in the conception, but a man was still needed to fill the role of a father in Jesus' childhood. Having said that, let me say a word to single parents today. Please don't despair that your children are beyond hope because their father is gone or their mother is gone. That is not the case. God is so gracious that though my mother and my father forsake me, yet the Lord will take me up. He will receive me. Single parents today, we salute you. We honor you. God bless you for the diligence with your children. So Joseph, here he is chosen now. And just as God had looked for a godly young woman to bring forth the child, he so looked for a godly man to be the father. And what is inspiring, uh, what is an inspiring model of fatherhood that Joseph was, God made a good choice. We read and we've learned and we've seen what he's been, he was able to do with Mary in leading to the birth of Jesus, but he was a wise God. And I want to look together for a few moments at some things the Bible tells us about this man, Joseph. If we can go to Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, and I want you to skip over to verse 18, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. And if you don't have it, we have it here on the screens for you, but it says, I'm going to read from 18 through 24, and it says, When uh, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So here we are in verse 19. Or I'm sorry, I'm looking at chapter 2, wrong. Y'all were like, what is he talking about? There it is. It says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. <laughs> His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her 
quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, and all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So a few things here of what Joseph was. Joseph, number one, was a loving man. The scripture draws the picture for us of a wonderfully caring and affectionate man. And we can see this firstly in his relationship towards Mary. He was a loving man, but he was a loving man towards Mary. And here's the thing. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. How does that make him feel? Does it make him feel angry? Does it make it feel betrayed? You know, funniest for me in 2020, during, during one of the greatest years known in, in humanity, uh, for at least us, we birthed a son and a church. But the thing thing is, is before all that, my wife and I, right, when we found out she was pregnant in, in April or May of 2020, we were like, what? The first thing that came out, to my, came out of my mouth was she said, baby, I'm pregnant. I said, we're old. <laughs> right? It wasn't like, oh my God, congratulations. You know, we already had a teenage daughter, our son who just turned 12 now. I mean, we, we were like, we, we don't know how to change a diaper anymore, right? We had no baby stuff in the house at all. It was gone. Right? And I remember thinking to myself, going like, how is this possible? For those that are close to us, I've shared this testimony before. I had a vasectomy. How is this even possible? Well, there's a 0.001% chance, and then there's God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's... For us, it was obviously God that did this. But I remember some of my close family, none that are in our church today, but they were saying, hey, so did you follow Maria around or something? Like, you know, you want to check on her? How'd she get pregnant? That's how you think she got pregnant. You know what I'm saying? They were like, you think it's yours? I'm like, what kind of question is that? This is coming from family. None that are in our church. God bless their souls. <laughs> Distant cousins. And I remember thinking to myself, we, were, we just celebrated 20 years married. I trust her with my life. That, that wasn't even a thought in my head that the moment she says I'm pregnant, I'm like, how? You know, like, who? You know. But could you imagine Joseph hearing about the woman he's about to marry, that she is pregnant and they haven't even had sex? He's like, hmm. In those days, right, there was no social media, right? There was none of that stuff, right? She was actually, she could be hidden. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not today. Everybody will know. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is, is he took it in kindness knowing that, wow, God spoke to me. And because God spoke to me, I'm taking her in to be my wife. That's a loving man. That's a loving man. And the penalty, could you imagine if it was the way we would have thought or the gossip wants it to be? The penalty for adultery in the Old Testament was death by stoning. And this penalty applied to marriage and engagement. So now by New Testament times, things had changed somewhat, but the matter was still treated as a grave offense. And upon discovery that Mary was pregnant, Joseph would have been obliged to divorce her because divorce was required to break off an engagement. And this would expose Mary to public shame and humiliation. But even before God spoke to Joseph, 
Joseph wasn't operating from vengeance or a bitterness of heart. The Bible says that he was minded to put her away secretly, that he was going to divorce her quietly so that she can keep her honor. What a man. It says Joseph was so kind because he loved Mary. It's based on a real commitment. And husbands, the Bible says to us today that we must love our wives with all that we have. Joseph was a loving man towards Mary. I read a quote one time from David McKay. It said, the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Here's Joseph. And when Mary was about to give birth to Jesus, there was no room for them in the inn. But Joseph did the very best he could to see that Mary was taken care of. But we see also that Joseph was a loving man in his relationship, not just towards Mary, but towards Jesus. See, when the child came along, the child he had not conceived, there was no attitude in Joseph that this boy isn't my flesh and blood. There was no resentment or indifference towards him, no lack of love at all. Joseph adopted Jesus as his own. He protected him from the hatred of Herod. He nurtured him and cared for him. He taught Jesus his own trade of carpentry. He adopted the one that the rest of the world would reject. That's why I I look so highly on men that step into what was once a woman that's single with a child and marries her and takes in position, whether it's stepfather, adopted father, or just, hey, my friend, to help lead and guide young men and young women that feel they don't have the stability no more. He adopted what wasn't his flesh and blood and treated him like if it was. See, I love that Jesus paid the price to be a father, or Joseph paid a price to be a father to Jesus. I need you to know, Father, that what you do matters. How much you've done matters. Fathers, you matter. I grew up in church, and and the reality is, is during Father's Day, a lot of times it was a bashing day. It was always like a message to tell you what you're not doing. And I would sit there like just, I said, no wonder people skip out on Father's Day. You know, just, I don't know what they're going to say. They're going to call out what I'm not doing. But I, I think it's important that today that we celebrate fathers, that we don't negate that because some was not there, that there is some that are. That we don't stop celebrating those that are there, that, that are doing the unseen. And not just for those that physically have conceived to, get, to, to help bring a child into this world, those that have taken on as father, those that have been there for people and young men, young women to help raise up this next generation, those that are youth leaders, those that are in a position to help impact young people. Not only just that, but it's so beautiful to see that there's people that maybe you've been trying and you and your, you and your wife, y'all, y'all still haven't been able to conceive. But there's principles that you can learn today from Joseph on how his love towards his wife and his love towards something that wasn't his, how it changed and prepared the impact, the greatest impact that this world was ever going to experience. The love, the sacrifice of Jesus. See, I love now the story of Abraham. And the story of Abraham, this man who was a a man of faith that impressed God. And there aren't many things people can do that impress our mighty, sovereign, holy, powerful, just, loving, gracious, merciful God. But our own attempt at being good doesn't get God very excited. Only faith pleases God. 
And God had promised Abraham when he was still known as Abram in a very solemn covenant that Abraham would have a son through his wife Sarah and that God would make Abraham into a great nation and all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. And this happened some time before Abraham was 86 years old. They didn't have Isaac until Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. That's old. That's, that's really old. It's kind of weird too, right? In today's standards, that would be nuts, right? I think in those standards, to still be nuts. See old Sarah walking around with a big old belly, and you're like, what is happening here? You know what I mean? But God made a covenant with Abraham, and he said that you will have a son. And I love that it's easy to say now when you've been waiting for something so long, and once you receive it, you can celebrate. It's hard when you're waiting through that process. God's timing is not our timing. Sometimes he has us wait so that it'll be obvious that what he is doing in us is from him because it is not humanly possible. So glad you're listening to our podcast. We're believing it'll bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful. And you can do so by visiting our website, at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. His timing always brings about the most glory for himself. Can you imagine the joy when this baby boy came into the world and into his parents' waiting arms? How easy it would be to put that little boy in the place of preeminence in our hearts. How easy it would be to make an idol of him and center their lives around him instead of around God. See, Genesis 22, verse 1 through 2, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. That God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, it's God is it's like take your son your only son who you happen to love and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you that's nuts now God is telling you this is what you love I want you to sacrifice him to me Genesis chapter 22 recounts the story of Abraham and his ultimate test of faith. God commands Abraham to take his beloved son Isaac to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham, demonstrating unwavering trust, obeys God's command and sets off with Isaac. Something that I noticed here that's very difficult because it's hard to put, if you're a father, or if you're even not a father, just in general, how hard it is to put yourself in those shoes to say, man, I wonder what I would have done. An on-fire believer, you can easily say, oh man, that'd be, I'd do it because I could trust, because you know the ending of the story. But the ultimate test of faith is the moment that it happens where you actually do it. Right? Have you seen it? You've had, you hear news and be like, man, I don't know what, I would have done this, right? 
I remember the, the times when, when, when all, like right now, it's, it's obviously prevalent where there's a lot of school shootings and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, 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 gun uh, violence that's happening around our nation and things that are happening in the media. Just, you know, they're, they're putting it out there. And a lot of times that can create a lot of fear amongst the people. But, but have you been in part of those conversations when they start rolling out the, the, the details of what happened in that moment? And you might be one of the ones that, man, I would have ran off. I would have jumped under the thing. I would have done this, man. I would have tackled them. I would have, you would not know what you would do until it happened that the moment that something so traumatic happens in that moment right that you would you respond some people are trained specifically for that there's other people that are trained specifically for that until the training is no longer a training and it's real life will I respond the way I've been trained to respond and here's Abraham receiving one of the worst things to receive sacrifice the very thing you've waited so long for sacrifice the very thing that you love most your son and Abraham acted in total obedience even though this boy probably around 13 or so at this time was the most precious gift of his life it's like if God was saying if you were to lose everything would I still be enough for you as your God as your Savior See, for my father, I know there was a time that those who know the story of our, of our journey in life where he had to sacrifice what would be considered as Isaac, his ministry. What you've longed for, what you've waited for, what you've sown so much for, what you've worked hard for, the hours, the unseen, the seen, all the different things. A lot of people will never know the price of your hallelujah. A lot of people won't know the price of your calling, the price of your praise. That the moment you have to make difficult and hard decisions, how heart-wrenching at times it may be, but having to trust God fully, saying, Lord, this is for your kingdom. I'm listening, Lord, that be your voice. Be you that guide, Lord. Be you that be in control. Be you knowing that whatever happens, it'll be for your glory. Can we trust God by releasing what we want most? That's why when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you make the decision to say, God, I want you in my heart. God, I want to live a life according to your will. I want to do your will. When you say that, the Bible says that when you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you are saved. There's something powerful that comes with putting your trust in something that you don't know what's going to happen. And God is saying, if you just believe it, if you trust it, if you say it, that he is the son of God, you are saved. See, when a father is sure of who he is in God and knows that God is the one leading him, no matter how difficult things get or when you can't see the provision, your children will follow you. I'm thinking 13 years old. Have you talked to a 13-year-old and try to make them do something? Just go clean your room. How many 13-year-olds are like, gladly, Father, Right? They go sit there and they're all folding it better than you could ever fold things. This and that. Go cut the front yard. Father, it would be my pleasure to cut the front yard. Father, I will do the backyard as well. Right? <laughs> Have you talked to a 13 year old? The middle school, that, that, that time frame right there, right before high school, they're, they're, they're like trying to figure out who they are. They're just like, 
Do I want to be like dad? Do I want to be like mom? Do I want to be like TikTok? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do whatever it may be? But they're just, they're trying to figure it out. It's a lot that's happening. You mean to tell me, dad, that I got to go up to this mountain to go sacrifice something? What are we sacrificing and where is it? Right? Like 13 years old. But see, when there's an assurance with a father, a man of God, a woman of God, to know who they are in Christ, that as I walk, they walk with me. And they'll follow because they know in who you're trusting in. They can receive that comfort knowing that God is, has everything in control. He trusted his father so much that he obeyed. See, when I'm willing to give up all for Jesus, I find out that what seems like sacrifices at first become blessings. And looking back, I realized that when I gave up or what I gave up doesn't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. Often it is a gift, emptying my hands so that I could receive something much better than what I thought we had. See, at times you're looking at it as something that's like, I can't release, I can't let go, I can't do this. And God is saying, if you would just obey and just follow and trust in me, wait till you see the return. So you can't handle it right now. I need you to go through this test. It says in Genesis 22, verse 3 through 4, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I don't know if you just caught that right at the end. He tells the servants, stay here. God gave the confirmation. That's where I want it done. He said, stay here with all the stuff. Me and my son, we're going up there. We will worship and we will come back to you. I don't know if they call Abraham the father of faith for a reason. The fact is that he knew God was giving him an impossibility to do. But he had so much faith that God was going to provide the provision and that his son wasn't going to be sacrificed. Meaning that when it gets tough, the first thing I should do is go worship you, God. That when it gets difficult, go worship you, God. When it doesn't make sense, go worship you, God. When all things feel like it's falling apart, we will worship you, God. And we will come back to you together. That all that God has asked me to do, I'm coming back even greater than it was before. See, the thing is, we live in a day of age today where everyone needs to know how you feel. Everyone needs to know what you're struggling with. And God is saying, if you would just come to me and just worship me and come directly to me, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you understanding. We've been talking about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Submit all your ways to him and he will make your path straight. Abraham had to trust in him. He had to believe that God was going to provide something. He said, God, I, I bet you're nuts about this, but you called my son a blessing. You're not going to take that away. You're going to do something greater. And we will talk about this for generation to generation. That is what trusting in the Lord is. 
It's saying, God, though my kids don't serve you, I place them in your hands. God, though my spouse doesn't serve you, I place them in your hands. God, though I didn't have a mom or dad, I place myself in your hands. I give myself away to you. I submit myself to you. We will worship and we will come back to you. He declared something that hadn't even happened yet. Was he calling God a liar? He was believing. This means that I trust God with my biggest dream, my hopes and my fears, and know he'll work it out for my ultimate good. So I don't have to worry about when I might die or wonder how my wife or children might die. I trust God with those details. I don't worry about if our country collapses or if there's a major natural disaster. I trust God to provide for me and my family and take care of us and use it for his glory. I don't worry if I lose my job or if there's a significant illness in our family because I know that God uses all things for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. But will I be tested on these things? is yes and we pray that God might use our lives completely for his great glory and his good purposes I don't want to miss out on one ounce of his will for me the closer I get to my wonderful Lord the smaller my fears are until they disappear he says stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship and we will come back to you see last week I taught on how there's a realm of faith that supersedes believing and that is the realm of knowing it starts with knowing by faith we will worship and we will come back you might have to declare that over your family right now. We will worship and we will come back. For as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a, that's a statement of faith. That's knowing that you're actually saying for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not for me and my house in good timing. For me and my house, once things fall into place, for me and my house, once they say sorry, for me and my house, once I give for no, it says we will serve the Lord. I'm declaring something that may not happen yet, but I'm knowing by faith that it will happen. There's a difference of believing and another level of knowing. I know God has everything in control. It's not that if you can say, I believe God has everything in control. But when you say, I know, we were made for the purpose of praising God. 1 Peter 2.9 Of giving him glory and honor. And the better we are in harmony with God's purpose for life, the greater joy will be ours. Life is more satisfying when we do what we were made to do, to honor God. We do that, and not only in worship, but also in the way we live. When I worship, I'm saying I trust you, God. You know, sometimes as a father, it's hard because you have the mandate to lead your family. And no matter what woman may say, what child may say, what circumstance may say, they'll be like, man, suck it up, get it over, you're a man, do it. But it's not easy. Right? Social media makes everything look so much more than what it actually is. 
I could post a picture of me and my kids and I look like a great father, but maybe I'm not a present father. But no one knows. I could share a moment with my wife. You've seen those stories that are out there. You can see moments of love, but have no idea there's abuse happening in the background. Right? We could put the best pictures of this church, the moments we want people to see, but there's empty seats in the back. I can create what I want you to see. But God sees right through it. He said, I need you to trust me with what you have and even with what you don't have. I need you to trust me because you worship me through it all. And I've come to understand as a father that I could be transparent and vulnerable before the Lord. I can tell him how I feel. I could scream and cry out in agony because I know he can handle it. He knows how I feel and he's never surprised by the trials I'm facing. God is never shocked by my failures and mistakes. His ways are always higher than mine and he's using those circumstances to bring me into the mainstream of his purpose for my life. See, my prayer is that we as fathers are encouraged people to live vulnerably, to share our testimony. It's our testimony that ministers to our children and to the others who are struggling in that uncertainty. I hope that we are all encouraged daily to not hold anything back from God and rather to come boldly to him with confidence and pour out our hearts. He delights in our willingness to acknowledge the brokenness in our lives. See, but as much as there is an attack to masculinity in this nation, a lot of us are so prideful that we won't acknowledge that we need him. And pride is the biggest downfall to any man. That and a toothache. My God. But the reality is just that can I be willing to acknowledge that I was wrong? Can I be willing to acknowledge that I'm not doing what I should be doing? Am I willing to be acknowledged and say, you know what? God, I surrender to you. Maybe your pride is preventing you from believing that you're not needed. My kids don't even need me anyways. They don't even call me. The mandate's on you, not on them. Can I drop my pride and start? See, because we allow mistakes to happen, and it's not until we're in our deathbed that we're looking back going, all those years I wasted. Right? Some of you have experienced it with your own family, your own fathers, that it's at the end that they're all of a sudden, I'm sorry, child, I love you. I wish I was there for you some more. I wish I could have been by your side. I wish I should have supported you. And you're like, that's all I've always wanted. Don't let it start when you're old and you think you're wiser. You're just going to be the same. You just have more experience. Could I allow God to impact me now so that I could start making a change and a difference right now? Like make fathers great again. Or it's actually something that's celebrated. There's a funny video online that, that it blew my mind. I had to look it up to see if it was actually true, and it actually is. It was like Father's Day is not even so celebrated that the number one 
and number two most celebrated holidays in this nation is Mother's Day and Christmas. Father's Day fell number 18. The way they made it funny was that Arbor Day was number 16. What the heck is Arbor Day? (laughs) Forgive me for the, the, the slang there, but what is that? That was more celebrated than Father's Day. And we can look at it and justify it, say, because there's a lack of fathers. There's this, there's that, there's a, yeah, that's all true. But I'm not going to allow that to be the actual scenario, the actual truth. When there is some that are here, that are standing, that are leading their families the best they could. Leading them with all they know, because this is all I saw trying to be better, trying to be their best. So we're not perfect. And I was was reading, I laughed, but it saddened me at the same time. I was like, wow, a tree is more important than me. I looked at that and I just said, God, we celebrate you. We count it an honor that we get to raise your treasure. But I need to lead myself with you so that I could be the best husband, the best father, so you could be the best wife, the best mother, could be the best son, the best leader that I could be because he's the one that I've put my trust in. If you could bow your heads right there where you're at, close your eyes. When we are weak, he is strong. God always uses the broken to do the miraculous. He uses the things that seem foolish to blow the minds of wise people. He needs fathers that will hold nothing back. The way Joseph did, regardless of what his reputation would look like, for accepting a wife that was pregnant, not by him, To be like Abraham, who took what he loved most and waited for so many years to receive and to take it onto a mountain and hold nothing back for God to stop and saying, I will provide because you trust him. Could I take that and be in that position to say, Lord, on this Father's Day, whether I'm a father, whether I want to become a father, whether God, I'm waiting like Abraham for you to do the miracle within my marriage so that we could create life. Whether you're a mother, whether you're not a mother, we all have a responsibility to respond when God calls. He may be calling you today in this moment. He sees your journey. He sees the timeline of your life. He sees what's happened. He sees what you say has not happened. He sees the hurt. He sees the pain. He sees the injustices. He sees the moments of difficulty. But not only that, he sees the great things, the life you have, the things that you'll never know he saved you from, the things he's guarded and protected you from, the things that he's held you in his hands. And he reminds you today. He says, I love you. That if no one has ever said it to you, and if you've never heard it from a father before, 
that God says he is the father of the fatherless, that he takes the lonely and puts them in families, that he cares for the widower, that he cares of what you're facing and you're going through. He loves you so, so much that he gave up his only son as a sacrifice so that he could take the penalty of what was death for us. It says, I loved you so much I gave up mine so that you wouldn't have to give up yours. That's how much he loves you. So we have a decision to make as men, as women, as young men, young women, to say, Lord, here I am. I submit to your will. I give you all of me. And God, you promise that you will make my path straight. And in that path that's straightened is where forgiveness comes, where love arrives, where care and joy is returned, where moments that you wanted to run away from, God says, I'm here with you. Let's keep going forward. It's in those moments that when you say, I trust in you with everything, that Joseph was able to lead Mary and raise our Savior, where Abraham was able to lead his son Isaac and become the father of many nations because of my yes, because of my trust. So I ask you today to hold nothing back and to give it all to Jesus. Give it all to him. So I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you.